You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 132. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I was speaking with a new friend this week about writing, and I said something about writing 20 to 25 minutes of content each week for my podcast. How can you have that much to say about a song, he asked, to which I replied, oh, it's not about the song. I just use the song to inspire me to read scripture. It's all about getting into God's word. So if you're new to the podcast, just know that while I do love Christian music and listen to it regularly, this podcast is about letting the music inspire us to read God's word for ourselves. The beauty of this is that when you listen to a song and maybe it inspires you to then study scripture and link what you've learned through your reading Um, and, and what you've learned through your study, and then link that back to that song in your mind, then every time you hear that song, it will trigger the truth that you have taken the time to tuck into the recesses of your heart and your mind. And I think you can see, however, this, this is not automatic, and this is not going to happen with just a cursory read through. In fact, this will not happen by listening to this podcast once. And now every time you listen to Every Giant Will Fall by Rind Collective, now you'll automatically think of Deuteronomy 1 and Numbers 13. No, it's not going to be automatic. It's going to take an investment. This podcast can be a resource and, and the song can be a connection, but it will take an investment on your part. You have to read these passages and, and not just once and not just as a pass through, but, but really read them meditate on them, study them, and talk about them with others. Don't worry, I want to help you do that. In fact, that's why I've assembled a list of Bible interaction tool exercises. I call them bites, B-I-T-E, for you to take a bite out of scripture. And along the way, you'll get deeper knowledge and understanding of God's word. They're not complicated. Uh, In fact, for my veteran listeners out there, uh, you already heard me list a few meditate, study, share with others. These are three bites that I want you to use this week. And I want to add one more, my favorite, read in context. So we'll unpack these as we go along today. But first, let's listen to the first verse of our song this week, Every Giant Will Fall by Wren Collective. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry When my fears like Jericho Build the walls around my soul When my heart is overthrown Your love is my battle cry The anthem for all 
I read a great story behind the song on newreleasetoday.com um, about this song. And the band was inspired by the story of Caleb and Joshua. And then the reference to the promised land and Jericho and, and the understanding that I gleaned from this article was enough for me to go over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Now, there's a couple of places that I could have gone in God's word. I'm going to go ahead and stick with Deuteronomy 1 for a few reasons. First, Deuteronomy begins with a speech from Moses that includes a recap of the story of Caleb and Joshua and their adventures as Israelite spies. And the story that I wanted to study this week, of course, inspired by the song and the story behind the song. So I, I knew that, that that recap was in Deuteronomy 1. And then another reason that I wanted to stick with Deuteronomy chapter 1 is that it would be natural for you to pick up a book of the Bible and start in chapter 1 to begin studying. In fact, most people new to God's Word pick it up and start in Genesis chapter 1 and then get to the first lineage listing and lose it, okay? So while I do absolutely believe that it is important for you to read all of God's Word, you do not have to read it from beginning to end, although I never ever want to discourage anyone from doing that. In fact, I do that every year. But if you're new or if you have never or if you've tried it before and it didn't work for you, you get stuck, you get lost, you you know, I, I give you permission to use a different technique. Quit beating yourself up for not being able to start in Genesis and read to Revelation. Um, let's use some different techniques and uh and starting with this summary speech is a great way to get the highlights of a story without getting lost in the details of the story itself. And then also in this speech by Moses, there's going to be some conclusions and assessments that God makes through this speech that are going to be important for us today as we seek to apply what we learn as we consider God and his ways. So as a quick summary to bring us up to the beginning of this speech, God rescued his people from Egypt. He took them the long way around to get to the promised land because they weren't ready for what they were going to be up against. And he wanted to teach them to trust him. But it wasn't like, uh, you know, in other words, like I think they could have gotten there within three days and it took a lot longer than that, but not years. It's, It's months, you know, and he needed to give them his expectations. He laid down the law. He, um, he, he wanted them to know how to be followers of, of him and what he expected. And so then Moses' speech here picks up talking about when God decided it was time to go and possess the promised land. Okay, so again, they've been rescued. He's given them the law. He's provided for them. He's gone through some ups and downs. They've had some opportunity to trust him and disobey and see what the consequences would be. All of that has happened. And now they're sitting on a mountain or the, where Moses picks up in the, in the speech is to remind them when they were sitting on the mountain and God said, okay, let's go. So we're going to jump in at Deuteronomy 1.6. And it says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. 
So the first bite, the first Bible interaction tool exercise that I want you to employ this week is to read in context. I want you to read all of Deuteronomy chapter one. Now, when I say reading context, it could mean if you, if someone draws your attention to a single verse, maybe you would read the whole chapter that that verse is in or the whole section that that verse is in. If you're going to expand the context, you might read the chapter leading up to that chapter and the chapter after that chapter. That would give you a little bit more expanded context. If we jumped in at the middle of of Deuteronomy, or later on, we're going to jump into Numbers chapter 13. To read in context there, you could just read that one chapter, again, the chapter before and the chapter after, or start at the beginning and read all the way up through where you are really focusing. That gives you context, okay? We're going to be breaking it into smaller pieces today. I'm not going to read Deuteronomy chapter one, the whole thing to you on the podcast. I can't. But it's best if you read it all at once and then go back to break it apart. I did that as I studied myself this week. So um, I'm not coming in, jumping in, in in verse six. I read all of Deuteronomy one and, and then, and then I went back and kind of pondered it and broke it apart. So you're in step two, kind of, with me here. Uh, And so now I want to come back and meditate on or consider different pieces of the chapter. And when I consider, so so let's do that. So back to the beginning or uh, verse six, it says, you've stayed on this mountain long enough. So when I consider that phrase, I consider that it's not that the Israelites were dilly-dallying around. You see, they were instructed to stay on the mountain. God God sat them there. That's where they were because he told them to be there and they followed God's lead. But even when you are smack in the middle of God's will, there will be times when he will say, okay, we've been here long enough. It's time to break camp. Now, you don't want to do this prematurely because you're anxious and restless. So I've been at places where I wanted to break camp long before God said I was ready. And so you want to wait for his cue. But I've also been real comfortable in a place. And when he expects you to break camp, no matter how comfortable you've become on that mountain of yours, it's time to break camp. So another thing I pondered is in verse 7, the New Living Translation says it's time to break camp and move on. And the NIV says advance. It's time to advance. And when we advance, we're moving forward. We're not looking back. We're advancing. And so the idea of advancing brings with it this connotation of greater things. All right, the next great thing is coming up. We are progressing, moving forward, not just moving on, but taking all that we've learned and the ways that we've grown and actually moving forward, growing, advancing. So when God directs us to break camp and move on, I believe he is advancing us toward his purposes for us, toward the promised land of his presence that we enjoy with our obedience. Now, verse eight, did you catch it? I'm giving all this land to you. God was telling his people, we aren't just moving on to more of the same. We're moving on to the promised land. We're moving on to land that was promised and that God is giving us. The New Living Translation says, go in and occupy it. But I like the NIV better and it's more consistent with God's instructions to his people. The NIV says, go in and take possession of the land. 
Now, it brings to mind a presentation that my old pastor used to do at Vacation Bible School with the kids. And when he was trying to explain the gift of salvation, he would hold out a $20 bill and tell a student volunteer that the $20 bill was theirs. He had already decided. It was a gift for that child. He held it out. And in the eye of my pastor, that $20 was no longer his. It was, however, the gift exchange wasn't really complete until the child took it. The salvation wasn't really the child's until the child took possession of it. But it took an act on the part of the child. The child must reach out and take the $20. And boy, was that child surprised when he reached out and the pastor let him keep the 20 bucks. You know, it wasn't a trick. It was an illustration. And this was running through my mind as well as I considered that gift of the promised land. God said, I am giving all this land to you. All they had to do was go in and take possession. Now, the next section, if we keep reading, is about Moses appointing leaders of the people. It has great nuggets of truth as well. We're going to skip it for today's discussion. I'm going to jump down to verse 21. Then just as the Lord our God commanded us, We left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourselves remember, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Now, here we hear it again. They were told to go up and take possession of the land. They had completed step one. They had arisen from their comfortable mountain in an effort to move on. And then now, why on earth would Moses say, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged? Well, I believe these were preemptive instructions. This is their first clue that they may have reason to be afraid and to have and to be discouraged. And now here comes this, the part about the spies. But you all came to me and said, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Ashol and explored it. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported, the land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. So in summary, there were 12 men, each representing a tribe. So everyone was represented. They completed their task and their report was that it was a good land. So then you'd read down to verse 26 and it says, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. So here's where you might go, huh? Uh, If you're not familiar with the story, you might be thinking to yourself, so let me get this straight. God rescued the people from 400 years of slavery in Egypt through some pretty profound miracles led them to trust him, provided for them, then told them that he had given them the land and all they had to do was go in and take possession. They send in spies to look at the land and their report is that it was a good land and then they refuse to go in. Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, at least to God. Because I'm not sure if you've heard this before, but God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. They are higher. So from his perspective, this is exactly what happened. Now, if you are familiar with the story of the spies, it might be here that you say to yourself, well, it seems as though Moses is leaving out a few details in this summary speech. And you might consider using the next bite. The next Bible interaction tool exercise is to follow the cross reference. 
Now, a cross-reference is when something is mentioned somewhere else in Scripture. And if you follow that little cross-reference to that other area of Scripture and see what it says over there, it might enlighten or deepen your understanding of what you're reading over here. So in our case this week, because Moses is summarizing a story that's happened in other books of the Bible, you can just look up the 12 spies and find out that the story is first recorded in Numbers chapter 13. So when we hop over to Numbers 13, we can see the exact instructions that Moses gave the 12 spies. So Numbers 13, 17. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls, or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. Okay, so these were their instructions. So what was their report? Well, when they came back, or when they came to the Valley of Ashol, they cut down a branch, listen to this, with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. So they did what Moses instructed. They brought back some samples of the crops. And so um, we're gonna, that was in verse 23. We're going to hop down to verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Okay, so we're still tracking with that summary speech of Moses. Uh, but let's keep reading because um, there's a but coming up. <laughs> but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So the report is, the land is good, but... How many times do we miss out on the blessings of God because of the but? And I want you to read Numbers 13 for yourself. Because uh, we just pulled out a couple of verses. But as a summary, only two of the 12 spies said, so what? The other 10 spread terrifying reports. In fact, they told the people that the land was going to, it devours its inhabitants, they said. And that all the people we saw in it were of great height and we felt like grasshoppers and we looked like grasshoppers to them too. So back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26, you would not go up. You refused to go in and you rebelled against the Lord. Okay, so uh, and then it goes on to say, you complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. All right, why did they murmur? What did they say was their complaint? So when you are meditating, you got to kind of ask some questions along the way and go back and read. What was their complaint? Well, first of all, they said, God brought us out of Egypt because he hates us. 
The next thing they said was God's plan all along was to destroy us. And then they said we're demoralized or our hearts melt within us because the people that God promised victory over us are taller than us. And their cities are fortified with walls up to heaven. And there are giants there. And I want to sit here for a minute and reading it like this, you know, making it a list like this where you can see how silly it is to think that God hated them and that is why he rescued them from 400 years of slavery. It's ludicrous. And, um, you know, that might, that must be it. Yeah, you're right. He hates you. I mean, it's just, it's like having an argument with a teenager, you know, and 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 the conclusions are just so absurd. You know, God's plan all along was to destroy his people. Really? Does that make sense? You know, when God has asked you to break camp and move on, and you've come up against what you thought was going to be your promised land, and it isn't exactly as easy as you thought it would be. Have you blamed God? Have you made some absurd assertions? Have you listened to the lie that God must hate you? Has it crossed your mind that God's plan all along was to destroy you? Or maybe at least that he, he must not be on your side. But what was Moses' encouragement to them as they were feeling this way? He said, but I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness. Just as a father cares for his child, now he has brought you to this place. Please hear this encouragement in your own life. Don't be shocked or afraid. Don't be shocked that there will be obstacles and giants in the land God is leading you into. But don't be afraid either. Why? Because the Lord your God goes before you and he will fight for you. You see, God had already proven his character through his acts during the Exodus. He continued proving his love and character as he stayed with them in the wilderness journey. Not as a distant cold divine being, but as a father cares for his child, he brought them to this place. No, it wasn't going to be easy or instant, but he had promised that every giant would fall. Every giant will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, all the fear of the lies, we're singing the truth that nothing is. But what was the response of the Hebrew people? Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 32. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Dear friend, don't refuse to trust the Lord, the same Lord who goes before you. Do you hear the tenderness here? The Lord who went before the people looking for the best places to camp, guiding them with a pillar of fire and cloud. While we don't have that pillar of fire and cloud, we, we have is be- what we have is better. Uh, the very presence of God within us, the Holy Spirit and revelation of himself through his word. And in the story behind the song, Ren Collective says that they want this song to be an anthem for a people of faith who refuse to stay in the wilderness forever. And that is my prayer for you as well. So as you read in context this week and follow the cross references and meditate on God's word, 
I pray you will consider his ways. And even more than that, you will deeply consider your own response to him and that you will choose to trust him and that you will advance. So what's next? We'll read Deuteronomy chapter 1 in its entirety. Also, read all of Numbers 13 and then consider the ways that God revealed um, his ways in these two chapters. And then take time to meditate on the details of the people's response to God. And are you responding in rebellion to God's leading because the possession of your promised land doesn't look like you thought it would? And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook and we can talk about what you're learning. Before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to April from Florida, Mitchie from somewhere in the U.S., Jeff from Missouri, Lindy from California, Phyllis from Minnesota, Peter from Hungary, Gloria from Connecticut, and Valerie from Minnesota. These are my newest subscribers to my website, Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week, and in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can even print it out. Uh, You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the resources that I create for my individual episodes from time to time. All of that is just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast. You you can subscribe in iTunes or in Stitcher Radio if you have an Android device. Uh, And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. As always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Never Too Far Gone by Jordan Feliz. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 132. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.